Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Woke Blogs podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Centre for Healing here, joined as always by Nick Sutherland from MindFit. Nico, how are you, mate? I'm feeling less battered than the last podcast because I've just had a hot chocolate. A hot <laughs> chocolate? Look, I've got, I've got a dirty iced coffee here and I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> My treat to myself. Uh, Nico, we are not alone today. We have a guest on that I'm very, very excited to talk about. My old Facebook friend, Aaron Schultz from the Outback Mind. <laughs> Um, Nico, do you want to introduce him and um, let me know how you guys connected and, and why we've got him on here today? Yeah, well, it's, it's the universe working in its mysterious ways. So, obviously, Em and I have a property up at Agnes Water um, that we're going to run retreats from and whatnot. And so I was on the, the Agnes Water Facebook group and came across this men's circle and saw this bloke Aaron running it. And so I sort of did a bit of creepy stalking on, on Aaron and saw, oh, we have a mutual friend in common, Ryan Hassan. And I'm like, well, bugger me. And then so I got in touch with Aaron. We were heading up the property, um, got to sit in on a men's circle, got to spend some time with him, have a chat. Um, and just yeah just love the vibe love the, the genuine stuff love what he's doing love where he's come from and and he i was lucky enough to to be a guest on, on his podcast the outback mind and um so i was a no-brainer to get him on our podcast aaron welcome to the show yeah thanks mate it's um really interesting that you're both drinking shit and i had watermelon for breakfast <laughs> okay. yep. it's all good and, and I, but i had a hot chocolate yesterday so it's all right yeah, yeah, I, he has. Stretch, I, stretch, I, I refuse to feel guilty for drinking my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah first, oppor- first opportunity. Bang, he's going right, left. And I did that. I like that. Got, got started from you as well because you just exposed it. So that's all right. Yeah. It's coming out the gate swinging. Why, why a watermelon juice for breakfast for you, Aaron? Well, watermelon digests quicker than any other product that takes 10 minutes to go through the body. Um, the last few days I've been uh, away doing stuff and um, I didn't really eat bad, but like, you know, just my body just didn't need anything like uh, that it was going to work hard to deal with. So I got a nice organic watermelon from uh, the mate out the road and uh, had that and my body said, yep, thank you very much. So um, that's what I've done so far and um, I'm just trying to wrestle with my ego on what I'm going to have for the rest of the day. What's your ego say? Uh, probably have rolled oats and pizza later, but my my, um, my body's saying maybe just have watermelon for the day and give us a break. Oh, wow. Uh, I, did, I, did, I did a few weeks ago sit down with Aaron for dinner and we did demolish a pizza and, yeah. and then some samosas and a six-pack of beer and what, yeah. whatever. So, That's my kind so of dinner. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's good to do that sometimes as well. Uh, yeah. it, was socially, it was socially healthy for us to do that. I'm going yeah. through this thing at the minute, Aaron. I'd love to get your thoughts. You know, I'm, I'm 38 tomorrow. I know I look 25, but look, it's in all honesty, I'm 38 tomorrow. Well, you're younger than 25. That's all right. Oh, bro. Thank you. My favorite guest so far. Um, I've been going through this thing the last few months where um, I'm just naturally, you might, you might think, oh, you're having a fucking nice coffee. What are you talking about? But I've actually, I'm eating and drinking a lot less than I have throughout, you know, most of my life in these last few months. And it's been through no conscious effort. I actually went through a bit of a health concern 
Um, I have Crohn's disease, which is fairly well managed, but every seems to be three to five years, I have a flare up and I had this big um, flare up and a bleed and I lost quite a bit of blood. And in the past I've gone to hospital and had a blood transfusion and normally end up with other infections and stuff. This time um, I actually couldn't get an ambulance um, to the hospital. So I kind of rode it out at home and the bleeding stopped. When was this? A couple of months ago. Did I tell you about this or not? No. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I lost. I was passing out. I normally get to the point where I'm passing out due to a lack of blood, and then I go and get a blood transfusion. That's what's happened in past. But this time, I called the ambulance, and they're like, "It's going to be 45 minutes." And I'm like, "Yeah, whatever. I'll just wait." And then after half an hour, they call back and go, "Look, we're not going to be able to get you one for hours." And so um, I just rode it out, and the bleeding stopped. But anyway. I went through this process where I felt like shit for about two weeks, week and a half, two weeks, because my body must have been, instead of getting a transfusion externally, it's naturally had to, you know, get the levels back up. Ever since then, I've been feeling bloody fantastic, um, mentally, emotionally, physically, I feel fantastic. And I've just noticed though, I'm eating drastically less than I used to. And apart from my iced coffee, I'm eating a lot healthier than I normally do, a lot more raw whole foods and that kind of thing. And there's been no conscious effort like i need to diet or lose weight i've lost about eight kilos but it just happened really organically i'd love your thoughts on that did something happen when i was replenishing blood look what happened there you've you've been reactive and now you've been proactive so the body's smarter primarily once the body gets out of this state of you know chasing something to sort it out and has to prepare itself and deal with it then usually the change starts to occur so it's interesting this has happened at 37 because usually around 30 uh, 38 because 37, 38 is a real pivotal time for a guy. The body does change every seven years as well. So what we used to be able to eat, what we used to be able to take, um, doesn't really sort of cut it as we get older primarily. So by the time you're 45, you'll, you'll go through another transition again. Um, certainly we're, we're programmed to consume more than what we need to. There's no doubt about that. You know, it's very hard to um, lose that attachment. We have that strong attachment to food, you know, uh, particularly if we're, we're, we're going through some trauma or we've been through something in life and our nervous system's out of whack and we go to food to try and, you know, ground ourselves primarily. But, um, but yeah, you, your body's gone through a pretty big adjustment and it's actually like being able to self-regulate, um, a bit like the mind. If your mind can, you can train your mind to self-regulate and come down and come back to balance again and all of a sudden it starts to work better. So if you did a live blood analysis got a naturopath to check your blood, you'll actually see um, components of blood trying to, you know, get, get healthier. Like they're always, your body's always trying to heal itself, you know, but it got to the stage where, you know, it was used to that reaction to a transfusion and now it had to basically do its own work. So you've been probably very lucky and given a gift that that actually occurred. That's what it feels like. Yeah, it feels like a bit yeah. of a gift. And like I said, we're in the past... And not to say that, you know, there could have been times that if I didn't have it, I might have died. But like, you know, I had these blood transfusions and that, but then I'd, I'd end up with all these, you know, other infections and other issues. And they'd, you know, put me on, you know, medication and that kind of thing. Whereas, yeah, this time just feels so different. And I just sort of let the body do what it needed to do. And I have had days like you this morning with the watermelon juice where it's got to like one or two o'clock in the Arvo. And I'm like, oh, I just had my greens juice this morning and that's all I've had. Whereas before... Man, if I got to like nine thirty in the morning and I hadn't eaten, I'm like looking around ready to kill someone, you know. Yeah. So it's very, it's very different. So you're yeah. saying I'm in, a, I'm in a transition in my life? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, but really what's happened too is you've had a breakthrough uh, and that breakthrough has happened for a reason, you know, so you can go back to your old way and get nowhere and you can just keep pushing down that path and there'll be some significant benefits that will come through physical, you know, improvement, but also through your clarity mentally and that as well. Blood's such a, an amazing thing, you know, if you can keep your blood clean, then everything works better. If it's dirty and it's got to deal with shit, then, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's not, a, not a great life. But if you can look at an acid alkaline chart and look at um, what, what you're eating that's acidic and sort of move it more to the alkaline side and you'll find your physical and mental health, that's on the other side. So that, that, that ice <laughs> coffee is acidic. Yeah, so, yeah, anyway, tomorrow you might want to do something different. But if you can get that balance working properly, then all of a sudden, you know, you, you start to work better. Is this so we have... Is you go. Pardon? Is that why? Is that why? Is that why you're playing golf so well at the moment? Because of this. I think, <laughs> yeah, even that, but like even that, you know, clarity of mind, maybe as well. You know, I'm, I'm <coughs> feel peaceful and happy. I'm not getting frustrated on the course, which makes you play worse. You know, so I think it all it all plays into that. Plus, you know, losing a bit of the bulk as well might help with that. You know, the, you know, I'm not trying to muscle the ball around, but yeah, I think it all it all helps. So you're saying, Aaron, oh, and I've kind of heard this before, but. When the body is, I guess, trying to eliminate a lot of toxins from the blood or from wherever else in the body, then it, I suppose, doesn't have time to do a lot of the healing processes that it needs to do. Big time, yeah. Yeah, if, you're, if your body's working optimally and you've got a problem, like you've got a pimple or you've got a, a sore shoulder, then a lot of the healing can go to that rather than dealing with shit that's going through your digestive system, you know. So you've been able to, 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 to direct your energy to where it's needed. Um, but we've been so dumbed down with regards to what our potential is as humans because we've been really reactive. Go to the doctor, get a pill, go take this, go take that. Then you go for a drive with your car and you see a billboard saying drink piss and eat McDonald's and all that sort of stuff. So unhealthy people are good for the economy, you know, and that's they want to keep you there. Now that's 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 the whole cult, uh, cold heart truth at the end of the day, you know. To be able to sort of you know rise above that, uh, particularly as guys, can be challenging. But if you do the work like what you did, you 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 had a breakthrough. It's just like physical fitness or meditation. You know, eventually you can have a breakthrough. Um, it, it just takes time like to going up. With the mind and the body, it's like you know the work we're doing. Mind fit. We're trying to purify the mind. You know, liberate the mind of those distortions and when when you're in a uh you know when you're in your buddha nature loving compassion for example then you can heal yourself you can heal others you, you're in a position to mm. give and flourish and thrive and mm -hmm. the same the same's happening physically if, if if you can you know purify the system um the physical system then it's going to function better and it's going to heal better and it's going to be in a position to do more and so 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 working on the mind and the body big time yeah we we do a uh in uh, i've been, been very lucky i've learned lots of um uh eastern healing uh traditional type stuff and we do a a, a meditation called nadi shodna but also another one called sadashan kriya where you know yeah utilizing both uh, nadis in nostrils and that really gets both hemispheres of your brain working properly and that's what nick's talking about giving your mind a cleanse too i guess uh as well that's just a technique that um that, that a lot of people can do pretty easily but there's also the stimulation which comes from doing activities which get you know, both sides of the brain working properly together as well 
Yeah, that's so made me remember just... my. I'm um, sorry, Nick, but that's made me remember my kinesiologist used to have me do that if we were we were working on something and an issue would come up that um, she used to say she was you're all over the shop about this particular topic, and then she'd have me do that breathing air where you close one side and then go back the other way and then we'd start to work around the topic. But she'd always get me to do that, get both hemispheres of the brain working before we move on. Yeah, that's right. It's a great way to start the day. When, when we get up, we're sort of depending on what the body's had to deal with the day before and what the gut's digested the night before. When you get up, if you can do uh, Sadashan Kriya, it just gets the, the digestive system stimulated and working, but also gets the, the, the nostrils working well. So when I was a young fella, I had blocked noses all the time, sinuses, etc. Now, there'd be a lot of it was to do with dairy and all the shit that I was putting in my body, but the doctor never told me that. He just kept giving me antibiotics. You know, so I had to like learn all this sort of stuff myself and say, well, no, I, I need to take my power back in, not outsource it. And um, that's what I want to try and help more guys do, you know, be able to realise that we can be our own doctors, our own healers, all those types of things, because, you know, a lot of it's just been outsourced and it's not our fault, basically. Yeah. So what's, um, go back to the start, because listeners are probably going, wow, this, this dude is talking about some cool stuff. And, and it's interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm thinking but, that. It's great. But, but go back, so, so you know, this is the Woke Blokes podcast. We talk about you know, having our eyes open and, and coming into awareness and consciousness and everything. So what's, what's your story? What's your sort of growing up? And you know, I, yeah. I know a little bit, but, but, but if you want to share, share yeah. it with the, the listeners. Yeah, mate. Um, very happy to. Um, I was brought up in Horsham in country Victoria, like a little farming town or a farming town. <coughs> Uh, my, my grandfather was a wheat farmer and my uncle was a wheat farmer and my mum come from that side of the family. My dad was from Warrnambool and he was like a fishing guy and always loved doing outdoor stuff and everything. Liked having a few beers and that too. Uh, so I was brought up in a traditional um, country environment, you know. Um, when I was three, I was uh, diagnosed with a brain tumour. I had to go to the Alfred Hospital have a brain tumour ripped out of my head back in 1974 before a lot of the technology was in place. So I um, spent quite a bit of time in there and uh, they pulled a tumour out of my head and it took a lot, lot of time to recover from that. Um, but, I, yeah, I bounced back pretty well, I think. Uh, I went into traditional life of just eating what the TV told me to eat. Um, a treat was to go to McDonald's in Ballarat when we went to Melbourne and we'd get McDonald's. So we had fish and chips on a Friday night, but a lot of sugar and a lot of um, just, you know, cakes and shit, you know, brought up in, in that com community. So so I um, I wanted to play sport, you know, desperately. I, I loved footy and cricket and I wanted to be good at that, but my body wasn't really... Uh, doing what my mind was saying as far as, um, you know, the coordination side of things because of what happened with the brain tumour. So I got a bit of shit from that at school a little bit and um, I never really reacted. I never got angry because of it, but you know, I sort of went through that uh, that that system and uh, then went into high school. The primary school I was at was pretty good. I was a pretty popular kid and, you know, I did some great stuff there and got to high school and it was really so a totally different story of like going to war every day primarily and um, had to really, you know, change my, 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 my game a bit like what you're saying with your blood. Um, you know, at 38, one of those sort of real life-changing um, moments in my life, but that was more reactive. I had to be reactive then, you know, and um, I needed something as a young fella to get some direction. My dad was a great fella and 
got some good people around my family, but I've never had that real solid mentor as a young guy, I don't think. Um, you know, so I sort of weaved my way through high school, tech school it was, uh, like a boys tech school and um, pretty rough. But, uh, yeah, a bit, bit confused about what I wanted to do with my life. But one thing I really knew deep down is that my job here was to try and help people. And really the only way I could help people was to go to uni then and become a doctor or a nurse or whatever, you know, and I never really had what I saw as being the marks at school to be able to get to, to, to that stage. So when I sort of got you know, to the end of high school, I was confused, what do I do? Uh, so I never got any direction to be able to be uh, a heart-based individual and uh, you know, help others heal. And, um, yeah, just worked, uh, worked my way through life, got into corporate worlds, um, thought that happiness would come from you know, climbing the ladder, got to high-level CEO and um, you know, that, that sort of stage and, um, yeah, made a lot of money for a lot of people, was consistently burning myself out, you know. If I wasn't at work, I was thinking about work all the time. Uh, I'd uh, go to bed, you know, that'd be the last thing that I'd think about when I'd wake up two or three hours later because my body was needing a piss or whatever because it was unhealthy, then, you know, I'd be thinking about work again. I was just in this constant cycle. Uh, and I got made redundant in about 2008 or nine, and I really was close to suicide. I thought, you know, this is bullshit. It's like, you know, what I've been, what I've been sort of um, uh, working towards is not making me happy at all. You know, it's it's taking me away from my my real alignment, that 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 true self which I sort of had when I was a little fella, but I never really had the ability to be able to tap into that. So. Um, so, yeah, I, I basically ended up going to a GP um, and asking, you know, what do I do? I'm, I'm really lost here. I wasn't getting any support from my employer. Uh, and redundancy come from that too. And um, that was due to the global financial crisis primarily. But it was the second redundancy I'd had in about three or four years. So I got a real kick in the guts. And my level of self-esteem had probably dropped quite a bit and my level of self-worth had dropped quite a bit. So I had two kids and a wife and, uh, I just thought my, my whole role was just to be a contributor to keep feeding money in, you know, and I just lost my sense of self. So it got me to a stage where I felt worthless and I was going to, you know, uh, take my life possibly. And I went to the doctor and he said, you can do two things. You can uh, take pills or exercise. So he was, I was, I was so blessed that, that I got that option. When I got home that night, there was a, there was a flyer in the mailbox. We live like out of town, so you never got junk mail. There's a flyer on the mailbox saying the first 24-hour gym in uh, Australia was going to open in Hobart where I lived. So I rang them. I got, got a membership. I waited and I, I joined. And um, I used to get there at four in the morning and just work, work myself hard. You know, I, I was never the coordinated fit person. Um, but over time, I developed a program for myself. Over time, I just changed my physical body. You know, three to six months, six to 12 months. Within two years, I was incredibly fit. I was tas- I training the Tasmanian cricket team uh, around strength and conditioning and, and that type of thing. So people saw in me um, someone that was, you know, just able to do some unbelievable athletic pursuits, you know, because I actually taught myself to do things differently. I taught my brain to work better by gliding backwards. I taught my brain to work better by using my other hands um, uh, more. Uh, and got that part of me which had been dormant for so long working again. And, um, yeah, just through that hard work, it, uh, it opened up doors for me, you know, the doors that I really needed to be open when I was uh, back in high school. 
So, you know, things started to evolve and transform. And, um, um, yeah, I, I sort of I was out running one day. I was starting to do you know, pretty incredible athletic pursuits. We talk about the ego. That was the ego driving me, you know, to sort of prove myself, uh, which I hadn't been able to do as a young fellow, you know. People were seeing the great things I was doing. I was getting lots of accolades, but deep down I wasn't really nourished. So I looked at what I needed to do to settle my mind down and then just get connected again without having to put my body through hell. And that was um, to go to the Buddhist centre. So I went to the Buddhist centre in Hobart and they welcomed me like really with open arms and just could have sort of could see where I was at. And uh, yeah, I started to do some work with them and started to learn more about the mind and um, started to, you know, had to go through some serious challenges there to be able to confront a lot of the trauma that, that I might have been through uh, and then heal uh, from the inside out. And, that was sitting in cold rooms, you know, freezing during meditation and really making myself uncomfortable. But being able to move through that discomfort like I did with the fitness, I knew I could get through that. Uh, so that was that was a bit of a game changer for me. Um, talking about game changer, um, <laughs> uh, one day when I was out running, I realised that um, a lot of my poor health came from what I was being exposed to through what I loved being cricket and football, um, through the junk food and the booze advertising and so forth. So I went home, I had two kids and I went home and my kids were watching the one day cricket and I could just see what was getting advertised around the boundary. I'm thinking that's exactly what happened to me, except it was cigarettes back in the old days and all that. So I wrote a letter um, to a mob in Canberra and it's explained, you know, my frustration with this. You know, within a moment, they, they'd responded. Uh, within probably a week, I was on every um, commercial TV channel in Australia uh, about, uh, you know, my, my concern with the issue. Uh, I put a billboard up at Hobart Airport. Uh, with a, I've got a photo of a kid. This is down the track a little bit. Uh, with a hamburger and a beer saying, what is uh, Cricket Australia trying to sell your family? Uh, <laughs> and That's and awesome. that's that, that, that went viral. It went, it went around the world, you know. So I was interviewed by Current Affair and all the all the main main channels and shows and that, and I started to get some real traction with it. People were starting to think, well, yeah, this is bullshit. So I uh, got invited to Parliament House in Canberra. Uh, the Greens were uh, massaging me quite a bit, so I was very close to um, joining the Greens as a, as a leader in Tasmania. And um, I just woke up. I just thought... Fucking, this is bullshit. They're just playing the game. I'm trying to change the game here. You know, I'm not going to get involved in this uh, in this world and just keep going around in a suit where I can actually do something with some autonomy to um, to, to help people realise, uh, you know, what we've been programmed to do and that's what's causing poor health and that's what's causing uh, poor mental health and so forth as well. So, you know, as I mentioned before, unhealthy people are good for the economy and, you um, uh, yeah, we've, we've got it us about. So, so from there, I uh, I become a health advisor for the Tasmanian government <laughs> to, to work on well-being with them. Um, with uh, this is someone that come to a tech school, mind you, was confused uh, as an idea of what I was going to do with my life. So I had a passion to try and bring well-being into the workplace. Uh, with previously, what I've done, I've worked in labour hire and recruitment, so I've run lots of large teams of men uh, through projects through, all throughout Australia. So it was, a lot was causing my stress and that as an individual, but I never picked that up. So, yeah, so I'd awoken through all that. And, um, 
yeah, worked within the government system and did some really good stuff, but just got blocked by the bureaucracy, you know. So I left that and become a yoga teacher and um, haven't looked back since primarily. That was 2017, so I, I quit a big salary. Um, wanted to find out more about myself, you know, went into yoga, went into um, uh, various aspects of, uh, you know, learning from some really connected and conscious people, more from the, uh, the Eastern side of things. Uh, and that really helped me sort of get an awareness around myself, but also my role in this lifetime, what I'm here for. And um, I think we've all got a role here. We just need to actually find out what that is. And um, that, that took me to, to, to diving into the uncomfortable part of me, which was more about love and compassion and gratitude and kindness. Now, I could have kept pushing down the fitness realm and doing lots of chin-ups and um, all that shit, but really that's not important. You know, I, I could do some unbelievable things athletically, but wasn't really doing much for my soul at the end of the day. You know, I need to, to do, do some work on my soul and, and help that, um, you know, get connected again or me get connected with that so I can actually live the rest of this life a bit more, um, I suppose, purposefully rather than, than, than unpurposefully, you know, and I believe a lot of the make-believe world that we're sort of consumed in takes us away from our hearts, you know, it really does. And um, the corporate stuff uh, is amazing. I mentioned to you guys before about not being vaccinated. Um, you know, I can't go and do some of the work that I was doing possibly because of that. Uh, but for my soul sort of saying, you know, you need to stay true to that, you know. If I had it went the other way, um, you know, I'd be a little bit out of alignment. So, so yeah, so, so yeah, it's been a, been a journey of... Um, a real transformation, nothing you'll learn in a book. Uh, it will come from, from hard work, you know. I believe as men and as individuals, we've got to put the time into ourselves and we've got to put time into our well-being. Otherwise, you know, our well-being can go the other way quite quickly and then we need to look to outsource that. And where, where'd the Outback Mind come into your story, right? Um, so when I went back, so 2007, I went to become a yoga teacher my wife and I split up uh, a few years, a couple of years before that. My dad was really like unwell back in Victoria. So I was in, in Hobart. I, I, I decided I needed to go back to be around him. Uh, when I went back, there was lots of issues with male suicide and guys like I used to be back in the day, still eating the meat pies and drinking the beer and going to the footy. And, but they're all having problems. Like on the outside looking great, but on the inside, you know, really shy. So I had people come to me like, you know, don't tell anyone, um, but I've got this going on, you know. So I, there was lots of that. And I thought, well, I need to do something to, to, to help guys, um, mental health in regional Australia. Um, within that particular uh, region, um, uh, I started running men's circles there and that. I was doing a bit of that in Tassie as well. And, um, yeah, so I did a few guys along there. They were very guarded, but that sort of started to evolve. Uh, one one um, one method I used was going to the football clubs and speaking, and uh, through that I went and started to teach some yoga. I said, "Okay, I can help you feel calm, uh, but we're going to do some yoga instead of teaching you to meditate." So, one club I worked with, uh, you know, farmers, all that, very talented footballers too, um, taught them how to slow their mind down through their bodies. Throughout that whole year, they never had an injury. They won the premiership undefeated. Uh, another club, uh, netballers, they got me in. They'd lost the, the previous three or four grand finals by a small margin. 
uh, three months out from the grand final, I taught them how to slow their mind down. They won the grand final that year. So, so within that community, I've got a lot of uh, fanfare with regards to my own journey, uh, but also what meditation and yoga could do for mental well-being. And that's how the app at mine uh, started primarily, uh, to be able to help people uh, be empowered rather than disempowered. You know, to try and show people that there's another way rather than, than looking outside yourself when all the answers are within yourself, uh, you know, as well. And that's something I'm pretty passionate about. And I want to try and do more of that, particularly in regional areas, because we, we need to support out here that the whole model is reactive. You know, the whole mental health space is really reactive. We can teach people tools to be proactive, then I reckon we can, we can really help turn the place around. Good idea. We might look at taking a proactive approach with mental health. <laughs> we we use the analogy you know it's like you know, when it comes to mental health if you think of it like it's our car then people generally roll into the mechanics with the doors hanging off the thing it's on fucking three wheels the windows are smashed whereas if we took a more proactive approach like getting our car regularly looked at and serviced then we wouldn't have it end up in that situation that's what happens so much with mental health now it's people are literally past their breaking point before they reach out and go i need help and I mean, the proactive approach is, is going to be so, it's going to be so important moving forward uh, as a country, I think, if we're going to start to get on top of this issue and manage it a lot better. Big time, mate. I had a, had a like, I read a thing on LinkedIn yesterday from a CEO of a large company saying, oh, excuse me for saying this, but I feel absolutely fucked. You know, this is wrong, that's wrong. And she got hundreds of thousands of likes and whatever. But I sent a message off to her and said, look, has anyone actually taught you how to manage your nervous system? Absolutely not. So, you know, so, yeah. So well, we don't, don't get a manual, do we? we? Don't We don't, when we're born, we don't get a little booklet saying how to manage your nervous system, but ideally we would, wouldn't we? And I guess that's what you're teaching the adults now who never got that training. Oh, mate, we, we all haven't. You know, we, we've been brought into this life to be a, a performer, to be um, a contributor to the economy primarily, you know. We haven't really been taught how to understand ourselves and all the stuff that's actually really our gifts at the end of the day all those gifts have been taken away from us from the the pathways we've been uh, we've been educated towards you know it's, it's all about disempowerment i guess you spoke about early when you were talking about your story which is a bloody amazing story by the way Aaron. i think it's fantastic i think the work that you're doing is very very important as well um, one thing you mentioned early on was just the topic of mentors. I'd love maybe your opinion around, especially for guys, you know, a lot of guys obviously listening to our show, what's the role or the importance of having solid mentors for kids, but also I think, you know, for us adults who never uh, quite got the mentor that we needed when we were younger. Yeah, it's to be able to be vulnerable enough to, 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 to allow it to come for, for, for someone or some individuals to come into your life. Because we think as men, we, we've got all the answers, whereas we haven't, you know, and you'll have an opinion on someone else's opinion and all that sort of stuff. And that's the, that's the, that's the first thing you've got to let go of. Maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I need some guidance and support. And it's the ones that are really open to that are the ones that actually start to transform and succeed. And I've had my battles with that too, you know, over the years because the male ego will come in and try and disrupt that and protect it. Uh, but, yeah, you've just got to be open enough to be able to let go and, and have uh, people come into your lives for the right reasons that can actually help create things for you, you know. Um, yeah, because a lot of us have been trained and educated to fend for ourselves and go back to my story of, uh, you know, being at school and having to go to war every day. It's all about 
defense, defending your, your well-being and fucking fighting and all that sort of shit, you know. So for someone to actually reach out and get a mentor or have someone invited into their life that can support them, I think it's really important because a lot of us haven't got probably good father figures that have been able to give us the guidance that we've probably needed. It's very rare. I very rarely come across a guy that said, I've had a great childhood because my dad was so supportive and this, that, and the other. Nine out of ten have had, you know, pretty mixed up uh, um, you know, journeys, I guess, at the end of the day. Ryan and I also talk about um, um, yeah, the transitioning from childhood into adulthood for blokes, going on that, that journey and, and, you know, going out and killing a bear with our bare hands after spending <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, you know, for, for me, I experienced that through going on Outward Bound for 22 days out in the Brindabella Ranges outside of Canberra. Um, and so I was very fortunate to, to have that experience. But do you think enough is being done? Well, I know you don't think enough's being done, but you know, how can we get more, more blokes to help kids? And, and I, I use the adage, we can't help others unless we're okay. So I guess the work needs to be done on stabilizing men and empowering men and getting men accountable to themselves, their own, looking after their own health and well-being. And then when they're in a position, we can start grabbing the young guys and getting around them and helping to build strong, healthy adolescent men, I suppose. Well, we've got to have recognition from the powers that be that that's needed. Now, all the traditional cultures have that, you know, that, that um, um, right, right of passage. Yeah, 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 yeah. <coughs> so, um, we don't recognise that. You know, it's school, uni, bang, you're into life. We don't have any um, transitional practices which actually help give us that guidance. My, my philosophy, what I love to go to do, I'm sitting up there, in fact, mine is, uh, mine is a foundation, so that's sort of in the process at the moment. But for me to be able to get funding enough to be able to look at pulling guys in from certain areas and say, okay, we're going to do this 22-day thing, but after that 22-day thing, I'm not going to leave you on your own. I'm going to keep you supported and mentored and you're going to be part of something because really all we want as humans is to feel community. We, 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 need, we, need, we need that. We need to feel love and compassion and support. A lot of us haven't got that. I've just spent the last six months doing some work in prisons and, mate, all those guys in there, because they don't need to be there, or not all of them, but uh, most of them. They've just been scared little boys that have, you know, fucked up and been punished for that. Um, it's no different than the guy that's going to work every day and then punishing himself at night. Now, to be able to give him skills so he can learn some compassion for himself and, and feel the ability to be able to get that compassion from someone else, you know, um, without any barriers, I think it's really important, you know, and we just haven't had the chance to, to, to step into that space, a lot of us, you know, to be vulnerable. Um, and, and that's what it takes. It takes time to be able to go away, get away from your stimulation in your environment and to be able to come into an environment of love and support and, and capacity building, you know, to be able to go and, and learn things you've never learned before so you're not worrying about the past or the future as much, but also to come out of that and be supported. I think that's really important. So I'd like to see mental health money go into that model rather than the reactive model that we're currently in. 
Yeah, that's a, we, we me and Nick bring this up a bit. It's like there'll, there'll be an announcement. Yeah, we're going to put X amount more million dollars into the mental health care system. And most people think, oh, that's a great thing. But if the money's going to the same shit that it's always gone to, but it's going to get yeah. more of the same results. So we need that's some cool. some different options. I'd love you brought if, up a couple could, of... You go, Nick. You go. If, if, we, if we could get $20 million to pump into our 40 acres outside of Agnes, Aaron, we could, mm. we could set it up, dorms, we could, you know, can we, can we lobby the government for that and just sort of bring dudes there for 22 days? Maybe we've got some listeners, you know, maybe we've got some rich Icelandians who want to donate some money for this, <laughs> this lovely cause. Please reach out to us. <laughs> the first thing there is need to actually understand bring those roles are so disconnected from their souls. They're the ones that actually need this work first and foremost so they can see the value in it. You know, I've come across so many broken high-level executives, so many broken politicians and that that have just gone through this, this system of a private school into uni, into the workforce, and just they've been on all the time. Eventually their nervous system, you know, breaks down like that lady yesterday. Now, they, this is what we're going to do. We've got to start to get those people that are making decisions to do this sort of work. Well, for me, in, so in the nutshell, I understand. Oh, sorry, mate. There was just a bit of a lag there. I didn't mean to, to break in on you there. Yeah, um, you're right. I, I think for me, the focus has been heavily geared towards IQ, and I think there needs to be a massive shift and switch over to EQ. And yeah, there's still so many people that don't even know what emotional intelligence is. They don't know what it does and how important it is. And and everything we're talking about, you know, the nervous system, the self-managing, all that, all of that is EQ. So if we could, yeah, that's what MindFit's all about is developing people's EQ. So if we can create programs and courses and, and school and take that proactive EQ model to the public and, and it's it's not therapy it actually reduces the need for for traditional therapy and whatnot if we can take that out there then all of a sudden there's healthier dads and there's healthier sons and there's healthier sons in relationships and there's healthier families and there's healthier you know it's just it just but it takes it takes aaron's brought this up a couple of times but that then takes such a radically different view and system that we have now because you know a less of a need for traditional therapy no, that's We're right. But a less, a less of a need for traditional therapy also means a less of a need for medication. But like that, that return customer, whether it's medication or standard types of therapy and everything, are kind of <coughs> a large part of the wheels of the current economy. So you're right. A parallel system would have to be built but, as but, opposed but to fighting the, the existing one. A big thing is people don't understand it's supply and demand. If the supplies, if the demand's not there, there's no supply. So we're creating that parallel system. You know people who come to MindFit, it's all self-funded. There's no kickbacks or rebates or mm. funding for this. People are digging into their own pockets and, and forking out for their own health and well-being. And we're booked up till bloody August. And, and, mm. and that's, that's because people see the logic in it. They see the sense in it and they go, right, this is, this is 90% of our clients have been through the current mental health system or healthcare system and have had such an aversion to it that they are prepared to pay out of their own pocket you know, for this stuff. 
but wouldn't we love to get to a place where instead of it being the last point of call, it's the first point of call for a lot of people instead yeah, of going the traditional, they're going uh, that way. It's interesting as well, though, because, you know, one thing creates the other. So without having been through that and learning how ineffective it is, they wouldn't come searching for this. So, <laughs> you know, it's the necessary evil, perhaps, if we didn't have a shitty, now, inadequate... If we didn't have a shitty, inadequate system, people wouldn't go, oh, my God, you know, the, the work that Centre for Healing and MindFit and, and all these mm. things, that they, wouldn't, they wouldn't see that it's so attractive. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Like, the, the whole model is based around fear, force and control, as you know, and um, while we've got pharmaceutical industries dominating and dictating all these decision-makers which are only really self-interested, about keeping their, their roles and, and keeping their salaries and all those sorts of things. That's where we've got to have compassion because at the end of the day, they are scared individuals underneath. They're not connected to their hearts and their souls, they're connected to their egos. And uh, eventually that will change. I believe it will. You know, we're on this earth at the moment for this reason. I really believe that, you know. We're having this conversation today because, you know, we've got higher levels of awareness and I see that level of awareness that they're in with compassion. I was at a forum the other week in Buddy Rockhampton where I saw the health minister on the stage with a suit on and crossing his legs and he wasn't much younger than I was and I'm thinking mate, mate you've got a lot of work to do on yourself. You know, a lot of work to do on yourself. Yeah. I think I think the more that we the more that we look at the other system, the more time and energy that we spend on, you know, fighting big farm or yeah. whatever. I, I think we're taking time and energy away from creating and constructing. Yep. So for yep. me personally, I just accept that it's there. I understand it's there. And I always go back to permaculture because I just love what David Holmesgren did. He saw he saw monoculture, he saw, you know, one plant in one paddock and, and he saw the effect that that was having and he went, okay, that exists. It's, it's not healthy, it's not sustainable. So I'm going to look at what I can create and I really feel connected to uh, we're doing the same thing just in a different industry. You know, that's the farming industry and the health industry. He, he wasn't fighting the farming industry or, or trying to hold up placards or picketing or anything. He just went, what can I channel my my energy and effort into? And it's creating a better system. And mm. you know, and then that will be become so attractive that the other system just crumbles of its own because it, it, there's no necessity for it anymore. Yes, yeah. Lots of people are saying that uh, that that they're really hanging on by a thread at the moment with regards to to keeping that. A lot of the systems that we've been in don't work, and people are starting to realise that now. You know. So there is a bit of an awakening to the other other way, you know, and um, yeah, you're right. I'm really grateful you said that because, yeah, the more time we talk about the stuff that doesn't work, we can put time into the stuff that actually does. Let's talk about something that does then. Um, I reckon it'd be <laughs> nice to talk about, you brought it up a couple of times, and that's Nick, how you met Aaron was, was at a men's circle. I'm sure of a lot of our listeners, a very small percentage have been to a men's circle. The, the vast majority have either never heard of it or heard of it and not been to one. I'd love to know, uh, Aaron, what is the purpose of those and how do they kind of run? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, um, certainly, uh, an open forum, you know, when you go to the, the pub, you have a beer, you mask the stuff, don't you? You know, you're sort of happy and lucky and all those sorts of things and you're not really getting to a core of a, a deeper meaningful conversation. So this is an environment where... First and foremost, we help people, you know, 
feel safe for being there. They don't have to have a problem. It's just about being in a room of guys to have general conversations which can help them through their journey primarily. And if you look at rural communities in general, most guys have got masks on. You know, they, they, they find it difficult to go, these sorts of things. So I want to try and create spaces that are, that are open, uh, that can, you know, be um, accepting of all, uh, you know, to be able to, to provide that space where they can come along and, uh, and have the ability to be able to build capacity through someone coming in like Glenn did that night and, um, and talk about the, the landscape or talk about a particular topic like we had and that can catch the other up to talk about ultra looking after yourself, you know. So, so bringing these new um, new paradigms, which are outside just a, a wind session. I don't want to be there just you know, having hard luck stories with uh, with each other. You know, these are these are forms where we can you know be compassionate and listen to that sort of stuff, but also give people tools and strategies so that they can functionally move forward out of that. You know, rather than I, I, I went to I went to the men's circle in in Agnes um, with Aaron. And there was about 15 blokes there, I think. And, and uh, yeah, there was a, a guest speaker, Glenn Poole, who we've had on our podcast uh, uh, from Australian Men's Health Forum. And lots of listening, uh, lots of engaging, talking, whatnot. People shared some stories and, and it really opened up this, some vulnerability, uh, which this is a word we keep coming back to. But the, the most interesting thing for me was the next couple of days. And I haven't spoken to you about this, Aaron, because I wanted to wait. But the next day I went to a cafe and George was there. George is the host of Super Woo Radio uh, and he's, a, he's an interesting cat. And all of a sudden George was sitting there with another guy uh, next to us at this cafe and we had a big embrace and a hug and, and hey, how are you? And he's like, yeah, we can't wait to get you on my podcast and da da and then the next day, I was at a cafe down at the, um, at the caravan park, and I was just sitting in a corner, and I observed a young paramedic guy um, who was there. He met up with another guy that was there, and they were having some cool conversations. And then we were out having dinner, obviously, and Steve comes past, and, and we, oh, we end up having a couple of conversations, and, and Pete, I think it was, also dropped past, and, and we, we end up having these conversations. And, oh, and so just from this one, you know, one evening, there was these three incidents where all of a sudden there's connection, connection, connection. There's a hug, there's a chat, there's a laugh. There's a, there's, so the ripple effect of that night was, was amazing just to observe it. Mm. Yeah, thanks. It's certainly about, uh, um, yeah, creating um, community, you know, primarily and uh, connection. That's, that's really what it's all about, you know. There's, there's one guy that's been coming there regularly. He's had lots of issues. He's 67. And the, the, the time before you were there, he had a massive breakthrough. And ever since then, he's just actually been awoken. You know, I really believe he's been awoken. And he's just... He's just happy. He's, he's talking. He's having conversations with these guys regularly. You know, he's uh, starting to do things which are you know creating things for him rather than being stuck between his ears and uh, you know worrying about the past so much. You know, so so yeah, that, that's what I want to be able to do to be able to duplicate that into other areas because I know it's needed in small places like Agnes, you know, throughout the country to be able to get the right people to run these um, forums without any ego because once you actually understand that we're all connected from the heart. Uh, 
you, you can provide space that they, they feel safe and they can start to do exactly what you said. You know, feel feel supported and get out there and start to share that with the community. And that, that that's that's what transform. And, and imagine yeah. the ripple effect from that day. Like you, you know, the three days afterwards, they're, they're catching up outside of those circles. They're getting more engaged, deeper in their connections. You walk down the street, oh, go out over there, and your little son goes, oh, who's that, Dad? Oh, that's such and such from the men's circle. What's the men's circle? Oh, it's where we're going to talk and open up about things. Oh, can I yeah. come? Uh, sure, yeah, why not? And all of a sudden, it's just this. Uh, yeah, it, it has this very un unseen ripple effect which is so important. I, I think the most uh, the, the person who got the most out of that night that you're at was uh, the, the guest speaker primarily because he's quite guarded in many ways but he actually was able to open up and since then he's actually got these uh, connections with people which he would never have even known or um, you know acknowledged primarily so yeah it's being able to break down all barriers titles you know races beliefs whatever to be able to come to a forum and then just okay Let's just let go here and just see what happens. And that was the beauty of it. It was just, we're all just human beings. We're in a painter or a chippy or a therapist or a this or a that. I mean, all the labels yeah. came off. All the labels come off and uh, I'm just a gay okay, Nick. I'm, I'm Nick and I'm a human being, you know. It's, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Where I'm from, uh, it's like, what do you do? Yeah. Classic. It was always, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do for a, what do you do for a living? Yeah, that's it. Oh, living the dream, living the dream, yeah. How much money you got? Got a massive house and 16 boats and 42 cars. I'm so happy, I promise. I'm happy as. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Oh, that's funny. How do you, when when you describe that, Aaron, the one, um, you know, maybe uh, block or hard thing I can see is, if those groups will be to running all around the country, you said as long as they're run by heart-centered people, right? Because I've seen a lot of different groups, you know, I used to be a drug addict and go to NA and AA meetings, all that kind of stuff. And it, it, you know, whatever structure you have for some sort of meeting, it's dependent on who's running it and their energy as to how it goes. And that varies greatly depending on who it is. Um, how do you perceive, do you think that's going to be a challenge or how do you perceive tackling that if you were, you know, to envision this being a thing happening all around the country? Potentially, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I want to be able to raise enough money to pay people to do this, um, but also to pay people um, that can bring um, bring things to it, you know, bring ideas and, and bring that, that sense of connection to it. So to be able to, to you know, I'm, I, in a good way and a bad way, I've been fortunate to be able to work around a lot of people and, and interview a lot of people and be involved in that recruitment space uh, a lot of my working life. So to be able to get to the core of someone really quickly is probably a skill that I um, I have. So to be able to know whether I'm being bullshitted to or whether I'm being spoken to for, uh, for the right reasons. Um, if someone comes to me and says, I want to be part of this, why? And then we sort of unpack that. And if they are able to, um, you know, um, you know, give us what we need to be able to not only support their ego, but to support that that community, and then we've got a, the, the right fit. You know, we're not just plugging a hole. This is this is the mental health system in its essence. Plug a hole for the qualification. Uh, don't worry about it from um, the, the perspective of actually trying to make a difference. We just need to we just need to fill up uh, an area of compliance. You know, so we don't. I don't want to be like. That. I want to be more of okay. We're doing this for the reasons uh, which are so much greater than ourselves. 
it makes me think when I uh, first got into the industry and we were you know, helping um, drug addicts and alcoholics and we went along to one of the local meetings. Um, we'd only been open a few weeks, me and my partner, Melissa, and we went to this meeting and it was around um, the PHN who give out the funding um, to different institutions. And we were there, everyone in the industry, 20, 30, 40 years, and I'm just asking questions, no preconceived ideas. And um, I'm like, well, so what are the, you know, what are the outcome metrics that dictate you getting funding and that kind of thing? They're like, what? I'm like, well, what, what, what are the, you know, what are the measurements? He goes, no, no, we get funding on people through the door. So as long as we have everyone with the correct qualifications and we tick all the OH and S stuff, as long as it's just, just the amount of people through the door, I'm like, so it's not based on outcomes. They're like, no. Nope. And I walked away going, this is fucking crazy. This is just banal. But everyone in that system, it was perfectly normalized to them. That's just, that's how things ran. But I think we yes. may need to move away from that and start to work out what's going to bloody get the outcomes, not tick all the, the boxes that the government want ticked. Yes, 100%, mate. I've been in that environment. That's why I moved up here to do one of those roles. So we, were, we were governed by the PHN and not much of a shit was given to the outcomes or the individuals. What we are doing was just all about continuing the funding and be able to get your star rating or whatever it may be, you know. So... So it's wrong, mate. It really isn't. And we don't want to give energy to this negative shit, as Nick said before, but uh, that's the problem. And, and I believe we just need to be able to have conversations like this to be able to work towards the solutions without ego, without, without I'm doing this and I'm going to get this from it. I'm doing this because it's needed. Well, yeah, it'd, been, it'd, it'd, be nice to, it'd be nice to move away from it being a transactional experience and I'm Absolutely. Do this in order to get this. So. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you outside of this because I think you know there's there's definitely a room for a collaboration in, in some way. But um, I think something that sticks out with me was was when what's her name Christine Morgan, yeah, uh, um, CEO of the Australian Mental Health Commission and the suicide prevention advisor to the PM. Um, you know, she, she was going around Australia to doing these town hall meetings and, and her department got in touch with me and invited us down there to have a chat and then we, we sat in and listened to, to the town hall meeting and it was, I took some clients down with me because I, I wanted to gauge their understanding on it and we walked away and and all we heard was a room full of people saying, you aren't doing enough for us, you're failing us. You know, it was, it was this deep sense of entitlement there. There was this deep sense of, co it, was, it was completely codependent. It is we, you're not doing enough for us, the government's fucked this and that. And there was people that were genuinely you know, codependent due to, due to severe health issues uh, and, and weren't able to sort of look after themselves but in general there was just a lot of complaining whinging whining so you know yeah we can look at the system but i really want to shine the light as on the individuals as well and, and the people in the community and say you have to get up and get your ass to one of these men's um, circles you have to get up and, and ring a nick or a ryan you have to get up and you actually have to be a part of your own experience to, to coming back into that alignment that we talk about to, to actually being well and, and not just not just talking about well-being but actually being well yes yeah that's right mate it's amazing imagine the the, the guy that's overweight if he come to me and i said okay let's just eat watermelons for a couple of days <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> 
that much better he'd feel. But but he's not getting that uh, information out there, is he? You know, he's not getting it. So 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 Nick, um, yeah, what what you're saying is the 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 you know the information. I, 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 something comes back to me here. That government role I was doing in Tassie, right? I went to a PAC forum at the Menzies Centre about statins. The government were going to pull money from from um, from the system uh, to try and uh, to stop providing. Um, uh, these high cholesterol um, interventions for people, you know, so they weren't going to get their rebates and that. And they were all complaining this, that and the other, and there were some officials up on the stage. And I actually said, could I please have the microphone? So I got the microphone. And I said, turned around and said, has anyone actually spoken to you about your diet and how that's contributing? <laughs> and they all said, no, nah, you know, and I said, well, these are some of the reasons why your blood pressure is high, you know, this, that and the other. And, and then those conversations started to open up, right? So they're, they're talking about it and exploring, and then they're looking to maybe think, well, maybe I can do something a bit differently rather than looking for a pill to sort me out. So a lot of those people in that room with you that day, Nick, a lot of them would have been on medication of some sort, I would have thought. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but, but they, they were also they also just weren't empowered. They weren't they weren't yeah. looking to take responsibility for their own happiness and health, which is for me where it all starts. Yeah. So so let me let you in a bit of a secret, right? The prime minister and that particular person in that role, and others that work at that level, the agenda is pretty much about pe- keeping people what they call DDC, right? Dumb, docile, and compliant. So think about that for a moment. You know, if we can keep people there, we can actually keep people controlled and uh, in fear and, um, you know, second-guessing all the time and not empowering people. The conversations we need to start having with packed town halls are about empowering an individual. Once you start to have these conversations, people start to wake up. Maybe they'll ask a question about, you know, getting off the uh, statin medication and doing something proactive to, to look after themselves. But you've got, to, you've got to hold up a mirror and people don't like looking in the mirror. They don't, you've got to make change occurs when the discomfort of staying where you are becomes greater than the discomfort involved in moving. So you've got to make people uncomfortable enough to get them up out of their seats and moving in a different direction. And, you know, we're talking about funding earlier. Uh, I know an organisation down here that got $2 million funding off the government. And, and after listening to it, I wouldn't want that $2 million because the, the hoops and everything that they had to jump through the boxes that they had to tick, it, it was tainted, you know. It was just, uh, I, I'd, I'd never want to rely on government funding because it creates a codependency as well. I want to be self-sufficient as a, as a business and an organisation. Absolutely. Getting back to what Ryan was saying about, you know, the PHN model, you must do this, you must comply, dumb, die, sullen, compliant. That's why I feel compassion for people working in these roles because they're complying, but they don't know any other way. A lot of these people are delivering these services as a being, uh, services are being disempowered themselves. You know, if you've got a disempowered individual, imagine that service delivery, they're actually like giving to the, the client that they're dealing with. Mm. You know, they're just following, like, hey, get this right. When you do a mental health screen on people, they're using the same tick boxes that they were using 20 years ago. You know, the, the rest we have, I, sh- I, shared, I shared a story with, with, with all the listeners on the podcast um, about when I went to the, the GP and just to get a result from a sleep study and, and within 10 minutes he tried to put me on um, antidepressants and, and, <laughs> and, you know, it was just a, 
it, it was an amazing experience and I was so fortunate to sit there conscious of what was occurring and mindful and aware of what was going on so I didn't I didn't fall in to that compliance that you talk about actually said um, no I'm not going to do that and but that's like, the oh, thing what do you mean? but that, that's what Aaron's been saying most people are kind of in that fear state and compliance so when a someone of authority says that they go oh really should I okay yep I'll do that and then that starts that that merry-go-round unfortunately that people are on for years yeah but we need an element of trust we, we need to trust uh, you know people come in here and trust me completely but, you know, they hand themselves over this journey and so we don't want people to, to stop trusting we want to deepen our sense of trust because anxiety can't exist when there's trust there so but it's it's learning who to trust and when to trust. I think that's the that's the goal, isn't it? That's the key. Mm. Well said. Well said. All right, we're up on a bit over an hour, boys. This has been great, Aaron. I've, I've really enjoyed this. This has been well, fantastic. You, you two are best buddies. You've been mates for ages. I know. <laughs> this is, you know, this is all. Well, the next step would be actually in person, but this is kind of the next level of connection from <laughs> Facebook friends, and then actually being in a room together would be actual connection, wouldn't it, mate? That's true. That, that's where we've actually lost it uh, as, as humans, haven't we? That's mm. what we need to do in circles. It's okay to do the online stuff, but to do the, the stuff where you're in a room with people and you've got that, that sense of energy, you know. You look at a flock of birds flowing together, they're all flowing with energy. You're not thinking about it. When you're in a room together with people, you're actually not thinking about it. You're actually, like, feeling the energy with what's going on. That's when things start to change and transform, you know. So we've got to, got to start to do more to... Uh, to create these spaces for ourselves so we can get that sense of connection again. Love it. I loved what you said in that men's group about there's um, it was a, it was something I didn't know. Um, there are more men's sheds in Australia than McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. And, but they're all you know, they're primarily facilitated by guys that are retired. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll keep going and we'll probably yeah. have to get him back. Absolutely. Where can people get in touch with you and your work, Aaron? Um, the, app, the Outback Mind. Uh, so if you go outbackmind.com.au, uh, just have a look at the stuff on there. It's hopefully going to become the Outback Mind Foundation in the next uh, couple of months. And awesome. We really need to raise some money. So um, we've got to look at, uh, at that. And um, uh, also uh, just email support at outbackmind.com.au. Beautiful, mate. I've absolutely loved this chat. It's been wonderful talking to you. I think there'll be a round two for sure, Nico. I feel like we're just we're scratching the surface with all that. I feel oh, we're yeah. just getting started. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just warming up the engine. Yeah, just, just in second gear at the minute. Yeah, that's it. All right. I want to say a big thank you for joining us, Aaron. Thank you as always, Nico. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you all next week. Peace out. Yes. Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.